Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And it's time again for Mother Angelica answering the call. I'm Doug Keck along with Father Joseph Mary Wolf. How are you, Father? Doing well and always enjoying Mother's insights and her humor. (laughs) Right, and we feature, of course, uh, some of the great episodes featuring great phone calls from our viewers over the years that provide insights that are as relevant today as they were in the 80s and 90s when Mother uh, handed them off the cuff Mm -hmm. right on the live show. So uh, we've got topics, uh, persons disappointed in the church, not a sin anymore. That's interesting. What is it in the church's belief as it relates to the rapture and the end times? And also teach kids to be respectful. I think that's probably Mm -hmm. something that every generation thinks uh, has been lost. But Mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about disappointed in the church now especially in in these days uh, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who've disappointed don't you think father me too (laughs) you know and uh, but it's not the church as mother points out it's the people in church and we have to keep our eyes on the saints so we have been blessed you know doug to know so many holy men and women absolutely and who have come here made programs father groschel father apostoli mother angelica father dubay you know the list goes on and on mother Teresa is a contemporary pope saint john paul ii and we have to look at their example and say well this is what a true christian is and follow that example and not be deterred or overly disappointed in the faults of others Right, and, and, and his mother talks about the idea that the church is wounded, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps, but she's beautiful, filled with the truth, and a whole the positive truth. And again, we have to, uh, we have to protect our mother. We have to love our mm-hmm. mother in, in the times yeah. of distress. That's when she needs us the most. I love this uh, quote from the Second Vatican Council that says that the church is a mother, so she's always bringing uh, sinners to her bosom, right? And so she's always in need of healing she's always in need of cleansing because of that truth so we're all sinners we're all in need of god's mercy that's why we're coming to the church right and i always reminds me of uh one time when there was uh, uh, bishop fulton sheen and uh somebody made the comment that uh, they, they don't want to become catholic because it's all filled with sinners and he <laughs> said well we've got room for one more you know uh, everybody's a sinner everybody makes mm-hmm. mistakes yeah. Uh, and we have to keep praying for people on that, and, and we have to call out things that need to be called out, but we don't have to be spending our time just condemning people either, right? Yeah, Bishop Sheen, I love a story, too, about he talked to prisoners. He said, you know, there's a big difference between me and you. You got caught. Right. <laughs> and so he was aware that I'm a sinner, too, just like you all, and we all need Christ's redemption. That was a great scene from The Angels with Dirty Faces, where at the end, uh, Pat O'Brien is the priest. When Jimmy Cagney's going to the chair, he said, "That pray for the pray for the boy who wasn't as fast as I was. Uh, and that was the difference. One, mm-hmm. one got away and one didn't. Mm-hmm. So let's see what Mother has to say about being disappointed in the church. We have another call. Hello? Hello? Where are you from? I'm from Wisconsin. And what is your question? Oh, I was, uh, first of all, I want to uh, uh, say that God bless you because Thank your you. program is bringing me a lot of close to God because I have a lot of disappointments about the church. First of all, my son tried to 
get the first communion and nobody pay attention to him. And they keep putting all the appointments away. And my son now is, is in drugs and, and almost lost because he lost faith in the, in the religion. I know he still loves God because he puts his cross. But I have a lot of pain in my heart, Mother. I know. And I listen to you all the time. And the, and the fathers, God bless the fathers because they grow my faith no matter what I'm... I still believe in God, and I know He's listening to my prayers. And God bless you for your program, Mother. Well, I, I know many people like you in this country, all over the world, disappointed in the church. But don't be disappointed in the church. The church is wounded, perhaps, but she's beautiful, filled with truth. The whole deposit of truth. What you're disappointed in is the people in the church. I, I can understand that. It's a heartache when you see the church you love so much totally, very slowly destroyed. In her doctrine, in her exegesis, her scripture, in the miracles of Jesus, in the beauties of her devotion, in the structure of her churches, in the destruction of her churches. It's so much, so much, so much. I think it's one of the greatest heartaches of this day. But you've got to separate the schisms and the, the people there that are trying to destroy what we love so dearly. And you have to pray for them because their souls are in grave, grave, grave danger. And Jesus died for them, too. But you must always keep your faith in the doctrines and the faith and morals of the church. That part of the church that has not changed one iota, that part of the church that is the bride of Christ, and you belong to that. And we can't lose faith. If, if we had faith in the people in the church, then our faith will waver, you see, because people come and go, they create scandal, they do terrible things. We have to leave that to the Lord. Woe to the man, he said, by whom scandal comes. It were better for him if he had a millstone around his neck and drowned in the sea, sometimes I've thought of having a millstone award every week. The most stupid heresy, the most asinine schism that I could think of or that came my way this week. And I was going to show so-and-so gets the millstone of the week. I thought about it very seriously. Somehow I didn't think I'd have enough millstones. <laughs> However, Jesus does hear you. You may be destitute now. You may think your prayers are not answered. You may be so filled with fear and anguish. But one day, all of that messy-looking puzzle the puzzle is pieces never fit together. 
One day, when you meet the Lord, you'll understand. And on that day, it'll all make sense. On that day, you'll look at a mansion in his kingdom and you say, Ah, oh, I never knew. It all mattered that much. And see, that's what faith is. Right now, you have to have that deep faith that everything it happens to you. Even if your church should fall apart, the church, the bride of Christ will be here when Gabriel blows that horn. And that may not be too far off. Hang in there, sweetheart. There is a kingdom waiting for you. Your father is preparing for you a wondrous mansion. It's so wonderful to know that even though we don't see an answer to our prayers, even though we do not uh, feel our, our Lord answers our prayers, it's all turning to good. See? You know, some people want to know why I say that all these schismatics are wrong just because they disagree with the church. You're not disagreeing with me. See? We're voicing in this net what the church teaches. Who, wants, who cares about my opinion? I'm not giving you my opinion. And the church is not a democratic society that you can choose parties, you know? You can't choose doctrines. You've got to accept them all. You know, St. John has something mighty nice. Well, it's kind of rough to say. He said, he who says there is no sin calls God a liar. Ooh, wow. Huh? Not too nice for that beloved disciple. Well, I'm going to say the same. If you say there is no sin, then you call God a liar. If you say there's no commandments and there's no truth, it's not a matter of disagreeing. It's a matter of accepting or not accepting a truth. But there has to be a truth to accept or not accept. And the church is only giving us the truth. If you don't accept that truth, fine. But if you encourage others not to accept that truth, Millstone for you, sweetheart. Because you draw people away from God. Moving ahead, we have a topic, not a sin anymore. Sounds like something that a lot of people hear sometimes. Yes, and so, you know, the, we priests, we really don't judge when people bring to confession certain things they struggle with. We can point, you know, maybe you're taking this a little bit scrupulously, mm -hmm. and there are people who really struggle with that, and you try to encourage them just to l believe in the love of God and to see what really serious sin is. But then at the same time, a sin is a sin. And so you acknowledge it, you bring it before the Lord, and you ask his mercy and forgiveness. Absolutely, and you can ask the Lord directly after that as well. And, uh, and, and, and if you believe it's something you shouldn't be doing, then do your best to make sure you don't do it anymore. 
things. But we'll see what Mother had to say in this quickie on Not a Sin Anymore. We have another call. Hello? Hello. Where um, are you from? I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, you have a gripe? Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> Everybody does. Okay, um, I, and I know it's not just my own gripe because I, I heard other people uh, mention it to me as well, so I thought I would c call in. Um, in confession. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, I, and it happened actually to me and to a friend of mine as well. We went to confession, and I confessed something, and the priest told me it wasn't a sin. And, and I was not, I, in no way, being overscrupulous or uh, unusual in any way. But, and I'd read in, in countless books and articles that, that this behavior is sinful. And so I go and confess it, and then the priest, the priest smiles and he says, Oh, well, now we don't, we don't think that's a sin anymore. And, and Mother, my, I mean, he absolved me and, and, uh, and everything, but then he, you know, I, I really am at a loss. I don't know what to do. I would change confessors. See, he don't know what side's up. Um, I think you, you need to understand that there is such a thing as sin, and it's his duty as a priest. He has the power to forgive. And, and some things are sins. I know that's a terrible teaching in the liberal theology. But you're right. You just go to another parish and go to another priest. Uh, you have a right as a Catholic to be forgiven your sins. And, and a priest does not have a right. Sometimes maybe some people get scrupulous, but you don't sound to me like you're scrupulous. And it seems to me you know what a sin is and you committed that sin. And I would go to a priest who will give you absolution because you're sorry for having offended God, you see? So I'm sorry if so many people have to go through that. It's not necessary. There must be a priest in your city. Ask the Lord to send you one. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica answering the call. Our call this time to start off this part of the show is what is the church's belief in the rapture and the end times? Father Joseph, something we heard a lot about probably more around the turn of the century than we've heard now. Mm -hmm. Yes, and there is no secret coming of Christ, right, when he's going to take believers and then secretly take them and then everybody else has to suffer. There's nowhere in the scriptures where it says that. Yes, he will come again, and as St. Paul says, the living will be caught up in the clouds with the Lord in glory, and the dead will be raised. So that's what the church believes about the rapture. Yes, at the end of time, there's that one second coming when the living will be caught up. Right, but you're not. There's not this millennialism mm -hmm. that, that's kind of out there. The idea that there's this, you know, post mid trip mm -hmm. and all of these right. things, and it's basically uh, describing the end of the world. And and even the concept of the rapture and that word really wasn't in use until about mm -hmm. 150 years ago, basically. Right, and there's a wonderful story at the end. Of course, I always love these uh, real life stories that Mother tells. I'm not going to spoil it for you. 
But it is another one of my favorites because it's a really a beautiful story of forgiveness in her own family. Right, absolutely. And she also talks about the idea when you, when you finally get to heaven, we'll look at each other and we'll say, who are you? Mm-hmm. You say, what do you mean? You don't know me? <laughs> I'm the one you live with your whole life. Oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> and I people... would have never recognized you. <laughs> right, right. And people have that experience of deceased loved ones and so on. And they say that. They remark how beautiful they were. And uh, just uh, something otherworldly, right? right. And that's what our goal is. That's what our home is. Absolutely. What is the church's belief in the rapture and the end times? Here's what Mother had to say. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Hi, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Portland, Oregon. My oh. name is Dolores. And what is your question? Well, Mother, I have two questions. One, I converted to the Catholic faith, so there's still some things, I, or a lot of things, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to know how we as Catholics believe about what they call the rapture. Mm-hmm. Like where there, when Jesus comes, there will be two men in a field and one will be taken. Right. And will that be before or after the tribulation? Yes. Is that your first question? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, the church, um, there is along with this rapture, uh, another thing the church is not uh, approved of, and that's millennialism, the thousand years. When we talk about the rapture, it's not a rapture where one's going to be stay here on earth and there's another earth, or and they're going to be miserable and the rest of us taken up. If you remember in the creed, he shall come to judge what? The living and the dead. Well, at that time, that's the end of the world. Then we shall have a a new world. Our bodies shall be resurrected. But not only the bodies of the good, but the bodies of the evil, but we won't see them. And the body, this body shall either be absolutely beautiful or it shall be the ugliest thing in the world, depending on where you go forever. After the second coming, there is nothing anymore. There is no birth, no marriage. As our Lord said, we shall be spiritual, but our bodies will be spiritual. And the resurrection shows us. Our Lord walked right through the door and they didn't see it. There was no door open. We shall have gifts that are unbelievable. We shall be able to do things that we had never done before. And so you have to understand that on that day, there is not a thousand years again. If the Lord comes in all his glory at the second coming, then you will rise, your husbands will rise, your relatives, your friends, and they will rise with a glorified body. Because we're human. Our soul may be in heaven for centuries and centuries and centuries of what we call time, enjoying the, the joys of heaven. But even Abraham's body will be returned, and all those eaten by sharks in the sea, it's all here in the mind of God. And we'll look at each other and we'll say, who are you? And you'll say, what do you mean? You don't know me? I'm the one you live with all your life. Oh, you're beautiful. 
<laughs> My mother did that when she died, before she died. She hated my father with a vengeance, and I prayed for her all the time. I didn't want her to die hating my father. And one day, my father, apparently, according to the nurse, appeared in the doorway. And I, the reason I know it was my father, because she said what she's always said, what are you doing here? <laughs> I knew it was my father. I mean, there was no love lost, you know? <laughs> but then a week later, the day before she died, she looked on the same doorway. And she said, it's you. You're so beautiful. I knew then she had forgiven and loved again. I thought, what a beautiful thing for our dear Lord to do. Someone she hated with all her heart. Suddenly, she could say, oh, you're beautiful. That's heaven, huh? Hard to understand here, but beautiful. And we wrap out this program with a call having to do with teaching your kids to be respectful. Again, sounds like something every generation deals mm -hmm. with. Yeah, and just social human virtues, right? <laughs> that these are things that just make our social interactions happier, and they build our character. You know, we develop our character by our choices, by our respect for others. And really, to, pra to practice courtesy toward others is to respect their dignity, to really be aware of their human dignity before God and our own. Right, exactly. In that way, in treating each person you meet as, as like Jesus. And I think uh, one of the things coming from New York, and a proud New Yorker, I could say <laughs> that the uh, courtesies of the South are, are, are very nice, and uh, mm -hmm. they really are a, a nice way to live and, and to, for people to talk to each other. And But I, people are going to have to listen here to find out why Mother Angelica doesn't go in revolving doors. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an interesting story <laughs> coming an interesting up. We won't story. give that away, though. <laughs> yeah, every virtue, if it's truly a virtue, is good for ourselves and for others. And so courtesy is a human virtue. It's good for others, of course, that we treat people with respect, aware of their dignity, but also we're more aware of our own dignity, too, when we treat others with dignity. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Father. Very well said. And now we hear, teach kids to be respectful. We have another gripe. Hello? Uh, hello, Mother. First of all, let me let you know that you are positively not a gripe for me at all. <laughs> you are an you. absolute blessing and a gift, and so is EWTN. I've been teaching high school for 19 years now in a public school system, and I find that each year students tend to be more and more impolite when it comes to common courtesies mm -hmm. toward each other, toward me, just little things like saying thank you, you're welcome, mm -hmm. please, and so forth. Right. I wonder if I'm uh, just grasping at trivialities by demanding that they show common courtesy to each other. Well, you see, if you don't have respect, you don't have courtesy. 
That's why I hate revolving doors. I, I will not go through a revolving door unless it's absolutely the only way to get in the building. One time I went to a place and I got a revolving door and of course I have a brace on and I, it, it's difficult for me to go sometime as fast as these revolving doors go. And these kids got behind me and just pushed me around. See? And, and you can't do anything. A total disrespect for another person. And I think that you need to teach your students to be respectful because it's the womanly and manly thing to do. I don't think they know. I really don't. Nobody tells them that this is a, this is a, the, the, a virtue of someone that's strong. To say thank you, please, may I? to give us your seat in the bus to someone. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.